If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today we've got a return guest, Dr. Peter Huntington. So for those who know Dr. Peter Huntington, you know that he's a vet who specialises in equine nutrition and is conducting ongoing research and investigation into the nutrition of horses and he's also a director of the equine nutrition at Kentucky Equine Research. Peter's also written a couple of books, but all those details are on his first chat. If you go to horsechats.com, search for Peter or search for Huntington and you'll find that. He's also done one on 10 tips of basic feeding principles, which is sort of a precursor to this one. Then he's gone on and branched out into 10 tips of feeding performance horses. Now it's a little bit of a different branch today, 10 tips on basics of feeding breeding horses. Peter, how are you today? Yeah, great. Thanks, Gwyneth. Great, great. Very good. And uh, this is a topic of significant interest to me, uh, breeding horses. And okay. I uh, work with a lot of the uh, bigger thoroughbred breeding farms, mm-hmm. try and get their feeding programs right and uh, get them to uh, have, feeding pro- or, uh, have feeding programs with sort of optimum fertility and, uh, and lower amounts of wastage. But equally, it applies the same principles apply to uh, all sorts of horses. Okay, okay. So the the first tip we've got, you're going to talk about pregnant mare nutrient requirements. Yeah, well, I think the important thing to remember in uh, feeding, the, feeding the mare is that the requirements are not the same all year round, that, uh, that they vary uh, according to the stage of pregnancy and uh, or lactation and that you've probably got about, you know, three stages. You've got the feeding of the, the, the dry mare or the the dry mare and the early pregnant mare and then the uh, later pregnant mare and then the lactating mare. They're all different. So first half of pregnancy, the nutrient requirements are not much different uh, to the horse non-pregnant. So you don't need to um, pay. You don't need to think, oh, my mare's just come back. It's got a, a positive test. It's 45 days or 45 days pregnant. I've really got to ramp up the feeding. Mm-hmm. I've really got to, um, you know, double the amount or pay special attention. Sure, you want to be using, uh, supplying the right forage to the horse. You want to have the mare in good condition. You don't want her losing weight at this stage because that could, uh, if it's severe enough, imperil a pregnancy. But you just want to maintain normal condition. You certainly don't want them gaining weight too much because uh, this uh, fat brood mares are, are not, uh, not efficient and have increased wastage. So just feed them, you know, much like a dry mare, maintain good condition and um, feeding a normal balanced diet. When we get to the second half of pregnancy, the, uh, and particularly in the last sort of third, as it were, you're getting significant growth of the, of the fetus inside the mare. 
so you need extra energy and protein to supply the uh, what the mare is supplying for the growth of that foal. But particularly, you need to be concerned about trace minerals. And that's because uh, milk is a relatively poor source of trace minerals like copper or zinc or selenium. Um, and so you're going to feed uh, the mare during pregnancy extra trace minerals so that uh, they can be stored in the foal's liver at foaling and uh, used by the foal until they start eating uh, you know, decent amounts of pasture or hard food. So they're a good source of trace minerals that the foal needs, particularly for developing bone and etc. Mm-hmm. And so paying particular attention to uh, you know, copper, zinc, uh, selenium nutrition in late pregnancy uh, in the second half of pregnancy is, is, is very important. Okay, okay. All right, and then you've gone on for number two, the lactating mare nutrition. Yeah, when the mare's feeding a foal, they're, they're like a dairy cow. They're producing large amounts of milk, mm-hmm. and that requires a lot of energy and protein. It, their appetite goes up dramatically. So if you put a mare in a, a, in a yard, just feed them hay, then you'll see how much hay they'll eat because the the appetite. So high protein needs, high energy needs, high calcium needs. So if you are giving supplementary forage, your choice of, would be uh, would be loosen hay. And it's the time where you often need to introduce um, a, a feed that's designed for brood mares and to start to feed larger amounts. So something that uh, you know I formulated, designed for brood mares, Baristock Breed and Grow. It may be that uh, depending on the, the breed of mare, you may only need to feed a couple of kilos of that during pregnancy, but you may need to increase it during lactation, depending on what pasture is there. Now, not, not all mares need feeding uh, during lactation because uh, if there's enough pasture, they'll do it mm-hmm. on pasture alone. But uh, you need to be aware of considering, you know, how much pasture is there, how much hay am I giving, and therefore how much feed am I, I going to offer to there to make up the shortfalls. That comes back to the body condition scoring we're talking about in um, in the first Absolutely, the basic the feeding, was mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. And if you're trying to get the mare back in foal, you don't want them losing weight. If they're yep. not trying to get back in foal, then they can draw upon their reserves to produce milk. If they lose too much weight, they won't make as much milk and the foal won't grow as fast. So mm-hmm. you've got a, a number of factors to consider there. Yep, yep. All right, so the first two were about the mares. The third one is feeding the breeding stallion year-round. Yeah, stallions are... Um, People tend to overcomplicate stallion feeding mm-hmm. and um, they think that it's much more difficult than it really is. So key thing you want there is that the stallion for, and it's going to depend on the number of mares he's covering and activity in the paddock, but um, if he's in a paddock or might well be locked up in a stable, unfortunately, but they don't need to be fed massive amounts for, for much of the year. So when they're not covering, um, as long as they're not running the fence all the time, then Often you don't need to feed large amounts of concentrates during the covering season. Maybe you do, depending on the horse's libido. Um, there are a number of mares he's covering. Often you need to increase it. But the biggest killer of stallions is overfeeding. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also the biggest influence on behaviour. You know, the stallions are an unpredictable beast. So um, we don't want to be uh, overfeeding our stallions. Um, and we don't want to, uh, you know, there are some nutrients that may have a an effect, a beneficial effect on fertility in, in some circumstances. We want to supply a balanced diet, but we don't need to be sort of feeding them, filling the feed bin full of feed. That won't influence uh, their fertility. In fact, it's more likely to go the other way. Okay. 
Okay. All right. Now, tip number four, we've got impact on body condition, on breeding, fertility and foaling problems. Yeah, well, keeping the breeding horse in the right sort of body condition is important, just as is with any other horse. But there's a thought in, uh, in sheep in particular that a thing called flushing is beneficial to fertility, where they get a bit thin during the winter or during the, perhaps during late summer, and then you feed them up, and they gain a bit of condition, and that improves fertility. That doesn't happen in horses. Mm-hmm. Um, so ideally, you want to maintain your horse in good body condition all year round. You don't need to say to your mare, I want to get her in foal, so if she's in good condition, I want to make her fat. And in fact, that would be detrimental to the mare. Yep. Um, you know, the, the stallion, the same sort of thing. You know, ribs, uh, stallions can get mares in foal, with their ribs visible. Mares can get involved with their ribs visible. They mm-hmm. don't have to be fat to do it. And in fact, you know, the, you get more problems with fat mares and fat stallions than you do the other way around. It's better to them, for them to be on the, the thin side. Okay. On the other hand, you don't want them losing weight. You don't want them mm-hmm. losing weight. And if they're very thin, then uh, they will uh, be reproductively less efficient. All right, all right. They get too fat. Um, you're going to have more forward problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine... Maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. And again, we go back to the 10 tips on basic feeding problem, which is your body condition yeah, score absolutely. and going back to that. So anyone who's sort of got to this stage and hasn't listened to that first one, they should listen to the first one first and then come back over here. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah, absolutely. Feeding for safe growing growth in weanlings and yearlings, because you're talking quite a lot about don't overfeed. Yeah. Safe growing growth. Yep. Yeah. And, and what here, it's not. Um, when we're raising horses, we're not sort of raising, uh, we're not feeding animals that are being sold by the pound or have to get to a certain weight to go to market at a certain day. You know, we're wanting to raise an athlete. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at more moderate growth rather than rapid growth. We don't want to feed them to grow as fast as they can. Uh, as otherwise, we'll just have more, more, uh, more problems, more wastage, more skeletal problems. So we're trying to find that sort of optimum growth. And that depends, you know, is your horse something that you want to show as a young horse? Is it a maturity horse? Um, or are you happy to sort of go, I want to ride it as a six-year-old, I don't really care um, how well it, it doesn't need to look, you know, glossy and shiny as a, as a yearling or a, or a two-year-old, uh, I'm happy to uh, to take it slowly. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're feeding and your management are going to vary according to those circumstances, but very often, uh, you don't need to be feeding um, large amounts of concentrate feeds to these horses. And one of the things is that when we write feeding instructions on bags of feed for breeding horses, we tend to do them 
a bit for thoroughbreds. And they've got, you know, different thoroughbreds or perhaps standardbreds. They've got different uh, economic goals. They need to be more mature. They need to grow faster uh, because they're often sold as yearlings or racing as two-year-olds, etc. And if you've got a warm blood, you don't want to feed them that way because you'll get, uh, you'll have too many risks of developmental orthopedic disease. Uh, they'll get heavy. They, they grow faster. And mm-hmm. so it's finding that right balance and seeking professional advice about the appropriate uh, strategies for feeding your young growing horse are really important. Yes, yes. And I think the two different types, you know, the race horses that do compete and perform fairly early, whereas the performance horses, you want them to go on and have a longer performance life, start later, have a longer life. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now the nutrients involved in bone health. Yeah, I mean, bones are really important area, bone and joints are one of the key areas of wastage. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have a great looking foal and uh, it's no good if it gets uh, skeletal disease later on. So there we're looking at things like, um, we're looking at things particularly minerals like calcium, like phosphorus, so having an adequate amount of, of calcium and phosphorus, and that depends a little bit upon the forage you have. If you have Kikuyu pasture, which has got oxalate tie up the calcium, then obviously it's much harder to get that sort of balance right. If, you've, um, if you're feeding lucerne that's a good source of calcium and you have that available, then, then it's a fair bit easier. Um, we've got minerals like uh, copper and zinc uh, and manganese that are involved in, uh, in various uh, issues around bone development cartilage development within the and, and maturation within the uh, within the joint. Uh, so you know, they're key nutrients to consider. So about skeletal health mm-hmm. and uh, about uh, getting that the balance of those nutrients right and making sure, you know, it's the time to feed a, if you are feeding, feed, you know, you don't just go, I've got a yearling and I'm going to feed a pony feed to it because my horse is, um, you know, it's in good condition. You know, I'll pick a low energy feed. That's not necessarily the right way to go. Better way to go would be to pick something that's been designed for uh, young growing horses, but is fed at a lower rate. And there's a lot more use, I think, a sensible use of, of what we call balanced pellets that are that are fed at about, say, you know, half a kilo, one kilo a day, where they're a concentrated source of nutrients. They don't have a lot of energy in them. An example of ours is uh, all phase pellet. There are a number of others around. Baristock stud balancer, um, and um, they. Um, are very useful ways of feeding the, the nutrients that are important for bone health without overfeeding energy to a young horse. Okay, okay, good, good. Now, the next one we've got, we did talk a little bit about herd feeding in the basic feeding principles, but the feeding and the practical management considerations for herd feeding as far as breeding horses. Yeah, it's about you've got groups, generally got groups of horses and uh, you're going to have the effects of pecking order. So uh, thinking about um, giving each horse access to the to the feed, mm-hmm. uh, be it hay or hay and and concentrate feeds. If you've got feed bins out, I mean, you want to be feeding off the ground because they uh, get less. Uh, it's, uh, you you reduce wastage, and certainly if you're in sandy areas, you reduce sand consumption when you've got proper feed bins. Sand can lead to sand colic or sand or diarrhoea. Um, is um, the number of feed bins and the placement of feed bins. So rather than putting all your feed bins in a line. Um, you better put them in a big circle or a square or something like that. So uh, if 
the horse at the bottom of the pecking order gets kicked off the feed bin at the you know one end of the line. It doesn't have to walk all the way around to the other end of the line to get a new feed bin. And it's things like you know extra feed bin. So giving one extra feed bin per horse. So you've got half a dozen young horses uh, out there, seven feed bins, that sort of thing. Or mares, but more so with mares actually, in terms of uh, pecking order effects. Young horses are not too bad, and they often share feed bins. But uh, as colts get a bit older, um, this time of year, yearling colts are starting to feel the effects of testosterone a bit, and uh, they will start to want to, uh, you know, dominate others in the herd. And, and feeding time is one of the times of domination, and, and that can affect the, the um, you know, the way your feeding program performs. Sure. All right, the value of vitamin E for breeding stock. Yeah, I mean, vitamin E is a really important nutrient um, for uh, all sorts of horses. It's an antioxidant, uh, interacts with selenium a lot. Some of the areas of the country are selenium deficient, uh, southwest of Western Australia, some coastal areas in Victoria and the Hunter Valley are particularly selenium deficient. So both supplementary selenium and vitamin E become more important nutrients in those areas. Mm-hmm. And vitamin E is, uh, is an antioxidant and it has a role in uh, optimum fertility uh, in both the, uh, the mare and the stallion. So making sure that your diet has enough vitamin E. And this is particularly relevant when they're in a drought when uh, you're getting nothing from the, uh, the forage. So green grass has got good amounts of vitamin E. So springtime is naturally with green grass. It's naturally a time when the horse will be getting quite a bit of vitamin E from the, from the grass. But when you're feeding hay, particularly last year's hay, or there's nothing on the ground, you're getting nothing from those sources. So thinking about the vitamin E content of the feed you're using or perhaps as a supplement are relevant, particularly in horses that you think are, are, are sub-fertile. So uh, stallions or or mares. So um, we tend to think of vitamin E with performance horses mainly, but uh, breeding horses, it deserves some consideration too. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, fish oil. Tell us about that and the benefits for that for breeding horses. You don't need too many supplements um, Mm -hmm. in terms of feeding uh, breeding horses and you want want to keep it simple. But... um, Fish oil, which is uh, is a source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, and uh, these have some beneficial effects on uh, both stallion and mare fertility. And they've sort of, in the stallion, they've been shown, and, and other animals have been shown to uh, improve uh, motility of, of sperm um, and um, sometimes sperm numbers. So the subfertile stallion have been shown to have benefits with, uh, with fish oil supplementation. And, uh, you know, Humans are taking fish oil for generally for cardiovascular health or perhaps for you know anti-allergic properties or some things like that. So we take it for a variety of reasons, but in the horse, it's a it's a useful supplement uh, in a for a stallion or in a mare that's uh, subfertile. So uh, mares that are prone to early embryonic loss or prone to placentitis will also benefit from uh, from fish oil supplementation. The other area of vitamin E that's interesting is that if you give vitamin E to your mare before foaling, then uh, that's been shown to improve immune transfer to the foal in the colostrum. So um, improving the health of the foal is is, a consideration. All right. Now, the number 10 is measures to reduce the risk of DOD. So if you want to explain that a little bit more... Well, yeah, mm. that could be a whole. That's a whole topic in itself. Right? Um, <laughs> we could get you to come back and yeah. 
yeah, maybe we should do that. Is <laughs> is one of the uh, a number of conditions. It's a sort of overarching term for a number of conditions that can affect uh, the the bones and joints of the young growing horse. Okay. Uh, it's uh, contract uh, angular limb deformities, uh, flexural deformities, uh, OCD, uh, cysts, um, wobbler syndrome. Um, and uh, or we'll put uh, you know collapsed, um, collapsed particularly collapsed tarsal bones in there in, in young foals. So there's a number of these conditions that it, it thought some sort of nutritional principles have an influence on. And I think the um, if you do feel you have to, you've got either a, a individual horse that's affected, you can put that on a dietary management. Is one of the things that you can do to improve the chance for recovery. But then you need to look at, okay, what are we going to do differently next time, uh, the next time we breed a horse? And you've got to start with the pregnant mare, and then you've got to look at how you feed the young horse. And I think in, in summary, it's, it's uh, you know, I've covered a number of these issues earlier, but it's uh, not overfeeding, uh, paying attention to pregnant mare nutrition, particularly in the area of trace minerals. Uh, when I get to young horses, it's not pushing them too hard growth-wise and looking to have uh, lower glycemic feeds that supply the right amounts of, of minerals uh, and also some, um, some areas of, um, of, uh, of, of vitamin nutrition are also involved in that. Now, we've just developed a new supplement that is aiming to improve bone density and uh, that's a collection of, 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 of minerals and vitamins. We've got some data about that improving bone density and bone health is one of that areas of developmental orthopedic disease. So something breeders are searching for and uh, we're not going to get right because there are genetic components to it and then there's environmental considerations and a number of other, other factors that are involved in uh, developmental orthopedic disease, mm-hmm. but it's one that feeding can have an influence on and we want to reduce the wastage due to that, um, due to that topic. All right, all right. Peter, the information you've given us on breeding horses just today has been very good. And, um, yeah, if you can come back and, and talk, you know, as you say, there's it's just almost opens up, a, a, not a can of worms, but, you know, you start to go down one area and I'm sure you can just keep going down and down and down and giving us lots more information. And that's where our Equinews website, the equinews.com yes. website, has got a a mass of information with a heap of articles about all aspects of feeding the uh, the breeding horse mm-hmm. and the uh, the newsletter that comes out fortnightly newsletter which you can sign up for will often have topics related to breeding so go to Equinews it's got nutrition it's got health it's got reproduction it's got some management stuff sign up for the newsletter and you'll have a, a great source of information if you want specific advice about your horses then we've got a uh, Advice line uh, 1-800-772-198 or advice at kr.com and uh, that will give you um, give you uh, good information about uh, you know feeding your 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 mares and young horses uh, for sort of uh, optimum fertility and optimum growth. Perfect. All right, and those details, just in case you didn't jot them down, will be on horsechats.com and go there and search for Peter or search for Huntington. All right, Peter, thank you for talking to us today again and uh, looking forward to the next one and um, some more tips on feeding horses and equine nutrition. Thank you. Great, Glenn. Great to be with you. Okay, Okay, bye. bye. 
If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.